0: stop spreading fear and acknowledge some facts. This is not about freedom or personal choice. You know, you can't work anymore unless you do what I say. That's essentially what a vaccine passport is. Wear masks obviously is a violation of your personal rights and so is being locked down. You've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. Open society back up, restore our freedoms, end this madness. G'day, I'm George Christensen, host of Conservative One Pandemic Unmasked, where we're lifting the veil on the COVID-19 pandemic and finding out what lies underneath. And in the last episode of Conservative One, we actually heard from the professor of clinical psychology at the University of Ghent uh, in Belgium, Dr. Matthias Desmet, who actually says that we are living in a period of mass formation. And the scary thing out of that is that mass formation is the precursor to totalitarianism. And that's a little bit difficult to believe. I can understand that people think, well, that's going too far. Uh, But is it? Are we actually living in a slide towards totalitarianism right now? I think that the signs, the very, very worrying early signs are there to see. And I'm going to let Professor DeSmet actually tell us more about that in the coming half hour. So, uh, Dr. DeSmet, uh, last episode you spoke about uh, totalitarianism perhaps re emerging, but in some technocratic fashion. Do you think that we're seeing the beginning of this uh, with the pandemic and the responses? Because, from my point of view, I've looked at what's happened in my country here in Australia, and there are things that have happened, freedoms that have been taken away impositions that have been put on the populace. There's been uh, a level of othering that's been beyond belief. Actually, Uh, I almost can't recognize my own country anymore. Uh, So do you think that we are seeing a slide into this technocratic totalitarianism right now?
1: Yes, I do. And that's what my book
0: the book that I just
1: published, uh, or at least the Dutch version of the book, book that was just published, uh, and which uh, uh, has the title, uh, which is entitled uh, the, the, the Psychology of Totalitarianism. That is I, that is exactly what I explain in this book. Like, yeah. what is totalitarianism? It's a very good question. And, 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 and what is... First and for all, totalitarianism is based on mass formation, and the process of mass formation uh, uh, makes people blind for a certain aspect of reality, as we have been explaining in, uh, in the first part of our uh, or in our previous uh, conversation. Um, and it makes that people are really in the grip of a, a very narrow and absurd logic, which pushes them across all ethical boundaries. They are so convinced that. A certain line of reasoning is true uh, that they feel that they can impose it to society, no matter what the costs are. That's extremely typical for
0: totalitarianism, and that is this is why we see mask mandates, vaccine mandates, uh, a whole heap of things that have been imposed on people that otherwise don't want to do it, and a cheer squad amongst the populace for these measures being imposed on people that don't want to do it. Is, is that what you agree with? That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Mm -hmm. No, indeed. Um,
1: and also like, well, you know, it's, it's extremely important. I believe that people understand the difference between a classical dictatorship and a totalitarian state, um, both the dynamics, the structure and the dynamics of a classical dictatorship are radically different. than a a totalitarian state. Um, For instance, when a classical dictator succeeds in silencing all the dissonant voices in society, when he succeeds in silencing the opposition, usually, usually his aggression, he will usually mitigate his aggression. His aggression will become milder, because at that moment the classical dictator has enough common sense to understand that at that moment he has to try to show once he is in power, he realizes that he has to try to show to the population that he will be a good leader. That he will be that it will be a good option to have him as a leader. The benevolent dictator. (laughs) Yes, the benevolent dictator. But exactly the opposite happens in a totalitarian state, for instance. In a totalitarian state, once the opposition, opposition is silenced, first then the totalitarian state starts to become aggressive. And it typically starts to become aggressive. It was already aggressive before, but instead of mitigating the aggression, it even intensifies the aggression once it silenced the opposition. And that's it. That's simply because uh, totalitarianism is based on mass formation, and because at the moment there are no dissonant voices anymore in public space, the hypnosis and the mass formation becomes complete, and all this uh, latent frustration and aggression that is present in the population and in the leaders starts to manifest and to act upon the population in an unlimited and unrestricted way. So, but and that typically happens in in, in nineteen thirty and. Uh, in uh, the Soviet Union, and then around 1935 in Nazi Germany, at that moment, there was no opposition anymore in public space. O- the opposition was completely silenced. And then uh, the totalitarian state started to become what Hannah Arendt calls a monster that divorced its own children. It started to destroy the one group after the other. So, uh, and that is because exactly because totalitarianism is different from a classical dictatorship, is based on this fanatic, blind belief in a certain narrative, in a certain theory, which always indicates objects of anxiety that have to be destroyed time and time again. So that's so typical for totalitarianism. And that's exactly what we see now. People are really convinced, a certain part of the population is really convinced that uh, uh, without the non-vaccinated people... But there would be no pandemic anymore and that consequently it is justified to stigmatize them to uh, to uh, uh to um to marginalize them and so on while for someone who is not in the grip of this process of mass formation it is completely clear that at least it is very uncertain or very that we on scientific grounds cannot be sure that in the end Uh, the vaccination strategy, uh, will bring us much good. Um, And, well, uh, once you understand that, once you understand that the nature of the process of mass and of totalitarianism, you know that it is of crucial importance, importance that we continue to speak out, that the dissonant voice continues to speak out. The dissonant voice might not be able to wake up the masses. That's something that was already described, by Gustave Le Bon in the 19th century, the dissonant voice might uh, not be able to wake up the masses, but if it continues to speak out, it will make the hypnosis less deep, and it will prevent the masses and the leaders to commit atrocities. Because that is typically what mass, what the crowd tends to. To commit atrocities as if it were a holy duty to do so. And that's... That makes sense from a psychological point of view. The unethical
0: becomes ethical and the immoral becomes moral.
1: Yes, yes, of course. And that makes perfect sense because once someone is in the process of mass formation, he is convinced that he follows the narrative and the rituals uh, for the sake of the collective. So, and he is convinced that the people who do not uh, buy into the narrative... Lack solidarity and lack citizenship, citizenship so that they are not humane at all. In other words, that it is a holy duty to
0: destroy them. And I think we saw an example of that. Is something that just popped into my mind. Uh, footage I saw, and I'm not sure in which country it was, of someone who walked onto a, uh, a train or a bus and they didn't have a mask on. Everyone else had a mask on. And they literally beat this person and threw them off the bus or the train. And I thought, wow, uh, talk about the madness of crowds uh, that um, so we've seen it and I think we're going to see a lot more of it. But can I ask you um, a key question that probably burns in a lot of people? I mean, the idea that we are going to slip into totalitarianism um, because of the mass formation that's going on seems to a lot of people to be absurd because they say, well, we've got elections. How can we possibly slip into totalitarianism when we're a democracy Uh, i've got a bit of a theory going i think that uh, lots of the west are going from classical western liberal democracies where uh, rights were protected uh, where there were uh, freedoms that abounded and we're slipping very quickly into a woke mob democracy uh, where the majority rule and impose their views on the minority and as i've said in a previous podcast that. uh, Western liberal democracy was never meant to be the two wolves and the sheep voting over what's for dinner. Um, There were rights and protections that we had. So I see how this can happen. But explain, I guess, to those who are quite skeptical about the idea skeptical about the idea of of any Western democracy uh, becoming a totalitarian state, how it could possibly happen, given that we have um, elections. Exactly as you say, as you said, Aristotle
1: warned us already that a democracy is not just a society in which the majority rules, not at all. A a democracy is a society in which the majority is in charge, but in which this majority also respects certain basic rights of the minorities, such as freedom of speech, such as that everybody should be able to decide uh, uh, what happens with with his own body, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, in which everybody is free to have the ideology he pre- he or she prefers to have, that's democracy. So, a system in which the majority rules, uh, 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 but um, uh, being respectful for certain fundamental rights of of of, of minorities in minorities. So that that's and 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 the other Aristotle has said, if the majority does not respect these fundamental rights of the minorities then it is no longer a democracy then it is a tyranny of the majority he said Mm -hmm. the tyranny of the majority so and usually that's how a democracy um uh, becomes a totalitarian state it first becomes a tyranny of the majority and then it evolves in a full-fledged a totalitarian regime and a totalitarian state in which there is only one party anymore, in which there is only one uh, theory or narrative, or uh, uh, anymore, more allowed. So, uh, the 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 a democracy can very easily turn into it into a totalitarian state.
0: So, Professor Dismet, are you? Uh, I might be getting off track here a bit, but are you aware of the work of uh, uh, the writer from the United States, uh, Rod Dreyer? Uh, he's written two books, Live Not By Lies, and uh, the other book, The Benedict Option, but particularly Live Not By Lies. He goes through some of what you're talking about. His firm belief is that actually we're already here. He calls it soft totalitarianism. Yes, uh, And he says that right now, and he's quite right, um, we have instances where uh, people are, are silenced, I mean, big big tech. Facebook, Twitter, all the rest of it, YouTube—they uh, can remove who they want uh, at will from their platforms, which now really form the new public square, the new sort of town square where political, ideological, and philosophical discourse goes on. You have big banks that can actually definance someone; they can rip away their access to uh, to bank accounts, uh, to payment measures. Uh, you, you've got a, a range of these things going on where government and big corporations. Are effectively silencing and shutting down anyone who you know says something that's outside the mainstream uh in such a way that um is 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 causing an issue uh for them publicly so uh, are we already there or is there some way to go in your view i think there is
1: still some way to go but of course on the other hand um indeed as you said I don't know if you're, if you know uh, uh, Mirlo, uh an author who yes. wrote a book. Yes, he wrote a book, um, uh, "The Rape of the Mind," I believe. And he also said that he also said that uh, the iron, uh, the iron glove uh, of uh, of Stalin and Hitler might be replaced by a velvet glove, uh, but which is which is nevertheless more powerful than the, than the iron version. <laughs> so, and that's indeed what we what we uh, what happened throughout the last decades, I believe we have all been manipulated and uh, and uh, a kind of a consent was manufactured um, uh, without us being really aware of it Uh, so that's true uh, but that doesn't mean i believe i i I believe we still have a way to go yes Um, uh, it will be of crucial importance i'm sure about that it will be of crucial importance that we continue to speak out i cannot repeat that enough we should connect to each other and we should continue to speak out continue to say no in public space. It makes no sense in a, when, when facing a classical dictatorship, it might be the best option to hide, to be silent, to go underground, but when confronted with a totalitarian system and totalitarian thinking, it makes no sense at all to be silent because it is a system that is based on this mass formation, this hypnosis, and through being silent, we will only make uh, uh, the totalitarian part of the population more convinced that actually we are not human. Because humans talk and humans provide rational counter-argumentations uh, uh, when attacked. And and that's exactly what we should continue to do. We should continue to speak out, continue to provide rational argumentations why, why we do not buy into the narrative. Uh, and that's the first and most important thing. Uh, uh, most important thing you can do when confronted with emerging, with con- when being confronted with emerging totalitarianism.
0: Um. So that's a, a, a very good point. I mean, in order to defeat this and unravel it, speak up and speak out. Uh, you know, it can be very brave in these times. I've seen particularly a lot of people in professions such as the law, or more so in medicine. They are terrified, terrified about speaking up. I am um, uh, going to say that I asked two, uh, three, in fact, very, very senior medicos, uh, medical professionals here in Australia to appear on this podcast. All of them were incredibly supportive of the message, but they were terrified, terrified yeah. about coming on and saying something because they would be uh, deprofessional, uh, which is very very sad, and I guess that that's, uh, as you say, if it's the way to snap out of it, well, the powers that be, will certainly not want people to be speaking out. Uh, But besides speaking out, how do you unravel mass formation?
1: Yes, it's very hard. It's very hard to unravel it. Extremely hard. Speaking out is definitely the most important thing. Also, demonstrating in public space is extremely important. Making a statement, no matter how, in public space, that you do not go along with the narrative. So that's what, for instance, uh, the Danish population did uh, during the Nazi o- occupation. So uh, on, a, on a certain moment, uh, the Nazi officers in, in, uh, in Denmark uh, announced that all the Jews should wear a yellow star on their on, on their on their on their arm or on their breast. And uh, the king of Denmark immediately said, "The first one who will wear a, a yellow star is me. Then my entire government, and then all the people of Denmark. The Jews will not wear a yellow star alone." And the Nazi officers actually did not know what happened. They were spe- they were speechless, and they and, and, and Eichmann and and, and suddenly even more important, they started to wake up. They started to wake up and they started to say such things as what does this crazy guy in Berlin actually think uh, uh, exterminating an entire uh, people. uh, They they suddenly start to think it was absurd what they had been doing before. And, And then Eichmann went to Denmark just to try to convince them and to try to, you could say, bring them under hypnosis again. But it never really worked. And the same happened in Bulgaria. But also for one reason or another, people from Bulgaria were not sensitive to the mass formation provoked by the by the Nazi regime, and exactly the same happened. The Nazi officers who were uh, who operated in, uh, in in Bulgaria for one they started to wake up, they started to wake up, and they started to become aware of the absurdness of uh, of the of their entire project. So um, uh, it's important, I think, extremely important, speak out in public space. Or even if it is at the kitchen table or in, 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 the, in, in a shop or, 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 or on the train. of, of, of uh, Just try to speak out in your own manner, in your own way, respect, as, as respectful as possible, uh, being as sensitive as possible for the opinion of the other. But still, just let people know uh, that you do not go along with the narrative. And then also show it, demonstrate in one way or another. That's also very important, I believe also extremely important, never try to convince people to go back to the old normal. Because the old normal, the old normal, was exactly why people were sensitive or were vulnerable to the process of
0: mass formation. The
1: old normal that was causing
0: anxiety. Mm, yes. yeah.
1: so, but what we should do is we should try to construct altogether a new normal, an alternative new normal. The new normal should not be a new normal in which we are subjected to all kinds of social uh, credit, uh, to a social credit system. The new normal should not be a a transhumanist or a technocratic new normal. There are options to get rid of our psychological misery. So that's extremely important. And while doing all this, speak out, demonstrate, try to conceive of a a new normal, we should always proceed uh, sticking to the principles of non-violent
0: resistance for one reason or another no. So, I've got a, only a few questions left. Um, you've just delved into um, uh, Klaus Schwab's um, fantasy, uh, where we have transhumanism, where we have uh, a social credit system and digital identity. Um, is the, uh, uh, the World Economic Forum's uh, agenda, the Great Reset, is this something that you think um, we, should be, uh, we should be standing up against?
1: Yes, I do yeah. believe so. Because, you know, of course, the, the large global institutions such as the World Economic Forum play an important role in a crisis such as this, and that's only normal because it is the function and the and, and of, of, of of an institution to plan uh, 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 and to and to, to have an impact on society. And these institutions always do so from a certain ideological background. And this ideological background, I don't believe it's a conspiracy because it's out and open there on the internet. Yeah. Everybody, everybody can read the ideological plans of, of the World Economic Forum. But we should not feel we, we, we have the right uh, to to protest and to and to say no to such plans because I truly believe that uh, transhumanism uh, and uh, technocracy and mat- the materialist view on man and the world, the materialist mechanist view on man and the world from which uh, transhumanism and technocracy stems that this view on man and the world is the end of humanity. I truly believe so. I believe that in reducing the human being to a mechanist, materialist entity, we uh, destroy or we eliminate the really, human part of it. Human beings cannot be reduced to a material, a materialist phenomenon, to a mechanist phenomenon. Every great scientist has stressed that. Every seminal scientist, uh, uh, be it um, Niels Bohr, uh, Heisenberg, Schrödinger, Einstein, um, uh, Lorenz, uh, Mandelbrot, they all have stressed that The universe is not a machine and that and that the human being maybe certain aspects of the human being uh function as a machine but you can never reduce the human being to its mechanical aspects never ever and the more you study the human being the more you see that the core and the essence of humanity lies exactly in this part that is not mechanistic and transhumanism really believes or really suppose it starts from the idea that uh, you can reduce the human being to a mechanic, to a mechanistic phenomenon, and that consequently, you can optimize it by making it merge, by merging it with all kinds of technological devices. So I believe, truly believe, that a society that starts from this view on man and the world, in the end, will eliminate humanity and will be a real threat
0: for for the the really human aspects of a of, of, uh, of a society, I've got to say that that um, World Economic Forum agenda certainly seems like uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 definition of uh, uh, technocratic totalitarianism to me. Um, but uh, Professor de Smit, two more questions. Um, you have spoken out. You have spoken out vigorously and loudly against this. Have you been demonized and subjected to uh, cancel culture and, and, and all the rest of it in your home country. How has been the reaction um, in, uh, in Belgium and throughout Europe to what you are saying? You know,
1: um, 99% of the reactions of the messages that were sent to me, of the, the emails and so on, 99% was very positive, grateful, supportive, and so on. And then, of course, there was one percent of threatening messages, uh, angry messages, uh, that that also existed. And and uh, and uh, I have been fact checked by fact checkers uh, uh, around the world. Uh, but I don't care. I mean, everybody by now should be able to to see that uh, fact checkers actually are, are just an instrument of the dominant narrative to protect itself and to make it immune for criticism. Um, I have been fact checked. Uh, my reputation has been smeared a little bit here and there by some colleagues Um, um, but uh, yes, that's true but uh, I just continue to speak out uh, in one way or another Um, I always I listen to what uh, people if people criticize me I will listen to them I will try to understand why they are angry and so on Sometimes I even want to change a certain aspects of my theory if, if, if the if, uh, if the criticism uh, makes sense definitely, but on the other hand nobody and I mean what I'm saying will make will silence me um, I will definitely continue to speak out as a reasonable very, uh,
0: but I'm very glad to, to hear that yeah. very very glad to hear that. Um, Now, look, uh, I want to give a plug for that book you spoke about, uh, The Psychology of Totalitarianism. You mentioned that it was being published in Dutch this week. Um, When is the release date for that book in English?
1: Chelsea Green, an American publisher, is now translating it. And I believe that the English version will be available uh, somewhere in the beginning of May, I think. uh, yes so um, I hope it goes as fast as possible um, because many people are interested I believe in uh, mass formation and the book I'll, exp-
0: definitely be reading it. I'll definitely be reading it and I hope that many of my listeners also read that book The Psychology of Totalitarianism I want to thank you so much for giving us uh, so much of your time uh, Professor Matthias Desmet. Uh, you uh, have explained the craziness that's going on here Uh, so uh, adroitly. uh, I do thank you. And uh, I think the whole world is probably going to thank you when we look back on uh, this moment of mass formation, because uh, you have been the man that's called it out. And hopefully more and more people are going to wake up and see it for what it is.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me, George.
0: Conservative One Pandemic Unmasked is hosted by George Christensen, MP. You can find more episodes from this series at goodsource.news forward slash unmasked. This show is produced and published without censorship or paywall by the team at The Good Source, thanks to The Good Source supporters. If you'd like to be part of the solution by helping us produce more truthful content like this each month, head to goodsource.news and click on the support button. Make sure to follow George Christensen on Telegram, Getter, Gab, Parlor, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. You can also help us beat the algorithms by giving us five stars and encouraging comments in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.